Hello, Crossroads family and guests. We are so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. We want to let you know about our website, wherelifechanges.com. There you can find more about church events, ministries, and giving options. Check out Pastor Lee's blog at pastorlee.net. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at crcc underscore social. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wherelifechanges. We really hope that the message today would inspire and encourage you to worship passionately, serve others, and share truth. Now let's jump into the message. Uh, what's funny, we're showing that video of Pastor Thomas, and everybody here got to see, uh, you know, when we let him sing, and he was singing Silent Night, right? And uh, of course, it was funny to us because we know he can't sing, but we showed it in Uvalde, and they didn't really understand the whole thing. And uh, so I thought about it later. He said, yeah, it was kind of awkward. <laughs> so anyway, things don't always translate. We're, we're figuring out how to, how to do all that stuff. Uh, what do you do when you can't see God? What do, you, what do you do when you're in a situation and you can't understand where he's at? You can't comprehend what he's doing? In fact, what, what do you do when you're in a place where it seems like he's doing nothing? As if you're praying and praying and nothing is happening and it feels like he's not answering anything. How, how, how do you respond when you have asked God to do something? You've asked God to be somewhere. You've asked God for a miracle. You've been praying and nothing seems to happen. What do you do when God has made a promise to you and says, I will do this for you. I will help you. I will help make your marriage better. I'll help make your life better. I'll help do this, whatever it is. And then everything falls apart and nothing is working and nothing is right. What, what do you do when you can't find him? And today, I, I want to talk to you just a little bit. Of, what, do you, what do you do in that in-between time? What, what do you do when everything doesn't seem right and, and you're trying to figure out what God is doing or what he's not doing and you're wondering how, how can he not show up and why has he not shown up yet? And, and how do you deal with that? And, and I want to continue on just right after Christmas, right after the birth of Christ. And if you want to turn there at Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And we're just going to go through this right here for a little bit. And so Christ has been born, and now Mary is getting ready to, to go through the purification rites. And I'll talk about that here in a little bit. But it says, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Everybody say Simeon. We're going to talk about Simeon today. Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now, I want to stop right there for a minute. Imagine being Mary and Joseph, and all you're doing is going to church, 
right? Just going to church like you ought to be doing, and somebody that you don't know, you're not sure who they are, and they take your baby, and they start proclaiming all this stuff. And they just start saying all this stuff about your baby and, and everything. Now, you know, because the angels appeared to you, but you're sitting here in church. Nobody else. Ain't nobody else moving, right? Imagine coming into church and nobody talks to you, but one person like, hey, what's up? You know, and just, I mean, it's, it's really a strange thing that happens. We read it and we just kind of gloss over it and pass on. But it's really a strange thing that Simeon, a man they don't know, would take their baby. I mean, nowadays somebody did it, you'd punch them in the face, right? But they take the baby and, and he begins to proclaim all this. Let's keep reading now. Verse 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. He's prophesying about the crucifixion. Verse 36. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then he was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, the very moment. So you got one guy proclaiming everything, gives the baby back, and here she comes. And at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So now she's making a spectacle, talking to everybody in the temple, everybody in the courtyard. Y'all won't believe about this baby. And she begins to prophesy about him. Verse 39. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Amen? Now, I want you to think about this. An angel appears to Mary. An angel appears to Joseph. And the angels explain to each of them, here's what's going to happen. This is... Uh, how God is going to do it. And so they are fully aware now that this baby that has been born is to be the Messiah. Mary and Joseph know. Now we also know that, that, that Mary's cousin Elizabeth and her husband Zachariah, that they're kind of aware of things with, with John the Baptist and an angel appearing to Zachariah. And, and so you got four people right there. What I was talking about on Christmas Eve is God could have sent an angel to every single home to let everybody know what was going on, but he didn't. And so here you have Mary and Joseph. Now the baby is 41 days old, 41 days. And, and so they come in and, and you have the temple is full. Everybody's offering sacrifices. Everybody's praying. Everybody's doing what they normally do. And nobody knows who this baby is except Simeon and Anna. Now we know the scripture says the Holy Spirit was on them. And that they were waiting. But, but what was it about them that they knew? They were able to recognize Jesus Christ before he was revealed. They, they were able to, to see him and know this is the Messiah before anybody else knew that was the Messiah. The whole temple's full. It says that they were religious and devout. And so these, these are very religious people. But the temple was full of religious people. 
Full of people going to honor God. Full of people. I'm not sure there were some people there that were kind of half-hearted and everything. That's like every church. But, but these people were religious and devout. And there were many people. But for some reason, these two, they were able to recognize Christ before he comes out. Before he tells everybody. Before he does a miracle. Before he heals anybody. Before any blind person is able to. Before he does anything else, they can see in the baby. What if you could see God before he does anything? In, in these situations I'm talking about, when, when it feels like God doesn't do anything and you're having a hard time seeing where he's going or what he's doing, you're wondering, is he ever going to show up? And you have these moments of tension, these moments of strife, moments of testing your faith, and you're wondering, where is God? What if in that moment you were able to see God when nobody else could? What if in that moment you were able to recognize nobody else, everybody else is hopeless, everybody is distraught, everybody is wondering, and yet you're able to look somewhere in the middle of your situation and say, there he is, and begin to praise God, and nobody knows why. This is the power of hope. The power of hope. Well, let me read this to you out of Isaiah chapter 40. And God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah to the nation of Israel. He says, why do you complain? Why do you complain? You ever complain to God? You ever complain? God, why do you do this? Why do you do that? I know we don't want to admit it, but we do it. And so he's saying, why, why are you complaining? Why do you say to yourself, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. In other words, why, why are you walking around as if I can't see you? Why are you acting as if I've forgotten you? Why are you frustrated? Why are you upset? Why are you talking that way? Why are you thinking this way? And he goes on. He says, do you not know? Have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary in his understanding. No one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. When you can harness the power of hope, then when the issues of life are weighing you down, you ever notice when you're really stressed and worried and everything, it just makes you tired? You just get fatigued? And, and what he's saying here is, is when all that stuff is going on, quit complaining, quit wondering, are, are you going to do this? When are you going to show up? Have I forgotten you? Quit complaining about all that. Just know I am God, and I do things the way I do them. And I haven't forgotten about you. Don't you understand that if you'll put your hope in me, then I'll give you strength. And so even when everybody else is wondering, where is God? When is he going to show up? You're going to have a strength inside of you, a power that is made perfect in his weakness that allows you to praise God, continue to serve God, put your hope in God. And so when everybody else is down, you'll be like, I don't care. God's with me. Amen. But you got to be able to see him when nobody else can. When I look at Simeon, and Anna, they were able to see God when nobody else could. I, when, when we look at this, they, they were very religious and devout. And as I was saying, there, there are lots of people who were. But what we're told about these is that they were waiting. Everybody say waiting. 
They were waiting on the consolation of Israel. They were waiting for the Messiah. Everybody else in the temple knew the Messiah was to come. Everybody else had heard all the prophecy. They'd heard it for for centuries about how this child would be born to a virgin and he would become the savior of the world. Everybody knew him, but not everybody was waiting. There is a difference between knowing what God will do and waiting for God to do it. You you can know that God is going to help you in your marriage, but if you don't know how to wait on him, then you're going to get discouraged until it happens. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to get upset. Things are going to happen. But if you can learn how to wait upon the Lord, then even when nobody else can see him, you can see him and you will have strength. You'll have joy. You'll have a positive attitude and you'll be able to endure. You can know that God is going to show up, but you don't know how to wait for him till he does. You can know God is going to do a miracle, but you don't know how to be patient until it comes. You can know all kinds of stuff, but you have to learn how to wait. The difference between being religious and knowing and religious and waiting is in the mind. And so I want to talk to you for just a minute about the mindset of waiting. Learning how to wait on the Lord so you can have hope, so you can see God where nobody else can. Amen? So as we get into this, and, and I want to go back in, in time to the book of Exodus and kind of explain the context of what's happening so that we can hear what God is trying to say to us. And so in the Old Testament, in the Mosaic Law, when a woman gave birth to her firstborn son, she could not make an offering of any kind for 40 days she couldn't even go into the temple until the eighth day she had to be purified and so what's happened here is mary and joseph they have had the baby and now there has been seven days gone by on the eighth day they've gone into the temple where christ is circumcised that's the day he also receives his name officially and his name is jesus amen And then there's this other time that lasts for 33 days. And so that period goes by. And then all of that together is 40 days. She has to wait until the 41st day. And so when we see all this happening, the baby is 41 days old. And she's got to go in there and she makes an offering. She makes a sin offering and a burnt offering. And so the timing of all this is giving us an understanding of what God wants us to think when we're waiting. Because here they are in the middle of a crisis. The Roman Empire has come down upon them. They are being taxed. The religious leaders have gone crazy. And they are starting to make it hard for people to find God instead of making it easier. They're ripping people off. Uh, stealing money, all kinds of stuff. The whole society has just gone down the tubes. And you got a few people saying, where's God? It feels a little familiar, doesn't it? We're seeing all this stuff happening all around us, and it would be easy to say, where's God? And so here's what's going on now. So it was 40 days. And so now in the context of this society, when you hear 40 days, the first thing they're going to think about is Noah. Everybody say Noah. Y'all remember what happened to Noah? Amen? Y'all better say yes. I'll preach two sermons. I I will. Okay. So, so Noah came and, and remember the, the whole world was, was just in a, in a bad place. And so God let it rain for 40 days and 40 nights. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. After that, the rain stopped and the ark came to rest on the mountain. And Noah opened up the top of the ark and there was a sunshine. 
And so when they think about 40 days, there's a few things that come to mind. One is that when there is a 40-day period, it's a 40-day period of testing. Remember, Jesus went out into the desert for 40 days to be tempted. Moses was out in the desert for 40 years. The Israelites were out in the desert for 40 years, learned how to trust God. But as they're trusting God, there's also this reminder that with Noah, things changed and that passed. And so the mindset of waiting starts with the truth that says, this too shall pass. It, it, it's God saying, I know how bad it is now. It's raining cats and dogs and it's been raining and everything's bad and we're yelling, screaming. And he walked out and she walked out and we ain't got no money. We lost our job. Everybody say all of that. But this too shall pass. That's what God is saying. In the scripture, it says that, that God never changes. But one of his unchanging qualities is there's always a changing season. Whatever you're going through, it will pass. You're going to have mountaintop experiences. You're going to have valley low. But God is always going to move you through. So when you're in a bad place, you can start to get upset, wonder where is God, what's happening. But God is saying, remember 40, this too shall pass. So don't give up, don't quit, don't complain, just keep hoping. This too shall pass. Now the 40-day period was broken up, and I shared it with you a little bit, that you had the seven days and the 33 days. So when you think of seven days in this culture, the first thing they would have thought about is creation. Creation. God made something new. And then he made it to keep making itself over and over and over again. And so the second thing that the mindset of waiting is, not, not just that this too shall pass, but that God's making everything new. God's making everything new. Amen? And sometimes we, we are so frustrated because we're going through a difficult time and we're trying to hold on to what we have and we're holding on so much to what we have that it's keeping God from doing what he wants to do that's new. And we're trying to keep everything the same and we don't want to change and we don't like change and we don't want to, and God is trying to show up in a different way, in a new way to do something brand new. God is always making things new. Not only that, creation is beauty. It is powerful. It is harmony. It is balance. It is proof that God exists. So God is saying, this too shall pass. And when it passes, I'm going to do something new that is totally beautiful. It is in harmony. It is in balance. It's going to reproduce. It's going to go over and over again so whatever you're upset about it will pass and i'm gonna do a brand new thing that's gotta be in my mind amen amen if you're in that place can you just say it to yourself this too shall pass just say it this too shall pass and god's doing something new amen now the second part of that the 33 days 33 days, there's, this is a little bit more difficult. But remember, Jesus was 33 when he died. And, and there's not a whole lot of things back in the Old Testament that go back to 33, but we see where God is using the number three a lot. And we see how it's happening. And, and so one thing that we see is in the Old Testament, Jonah. Everybody say Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of, of, the, of the fish for three days and three nights. Three and three. And then Jesus came along and said, here's the sign you're looking for. Just like Jonah, I will be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. 
And, and so we begin to see that this is a time of Christ and it's a time of reckoning. It's a time where, where, we're, we're pointing toward Christ who has come to do what we can't do because he is able to bridge the gap between us and God. And so it is a reminder as you're going through this that, that you can't do it. There are some things you cannot do. You can't fix your marriage. You can't change your circumstance. You can't make your... All you can do is serve God. And then when you serve God, God changes everything. God makes everything new. God makes a new season show up. You can't do it. And so it's a reminder, I can't do it. I need God. I need him. Amen? Isn't it amazing how hard that is to admit sometimes? I, need, I mean, we get in church and say, I need God. I need thee. I need thee every hour. But then we go home. We try to do it on our own power, our own intellect, our own charisma, our own money, our own everything. And sometimes you just got to say, God, I can't do it. I can't fix what I broke. But you can. Amen? Now, this only happened with the firstborn. Everybody say firstborn. Now, when you think about firstborn for the Israelites, immediately their mind's going to go back to Exodus, the Passover. And the scripture says that God instructed them to take a lamb that was a year old and to slaughter the lamb, take the blood and put it on the tops and on the sides of the doorpost, already foreshadowing the cross. And when the angel of death would come, the angel of death would take the firstborn of every household that didn't have the blood. And so firstborn gets attached to that very quickly in the history of Israel. And so what you see happening afterwards is God saying, because I didn't take your firstborn, then your firstborn belongs to me. So now every firstborn must be consecrated to me and redeemed with an offering. You got to give an offering so you can have your child because I saved it. It didn't, I didn't take it back then. I'm giving it to you now. And so you see that the lamb becomes equated with the firstborn. So so the lamb that died is resurrected in the life person of the firstborn son of every family. And so you see the resurrection and the death of Christ in this right here. And so now they come and they say, it is your firstborn. And so something's going to die. You're going to give something away, but then I'm going to rescue your firstborn and the firstborn is going to rescue everything. So this is a, a time when they remember God has already done it before. God's already done it. When you're in that place and you're trying to wait on God and wondering where it's at, not only do you need to know that this too shall pass and that God is doing a new thing and that you can't do it, but God can, but you got to remember he's already done it. He's already done it. The firstborn was already there. This was a reminder. I saved you back then. I'll save you again today. I'll save you tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Trust me. That's the mindset we have to have. Or you can complain. And say, God, where are you at? You forgot about me? Or you can begin to remind yourself that God said he would do it. He's going to do it. This too shall pass. I'm going to make it. The seasons are going to change. He'll do something new. All I got to do is submit to him. He's done it before. Learning to wait is the difference between living a victorious life and living a defeated life when you can't see God. 
And if every time you can't see God, then what can God do in your life? Because miracles happen when we can't do it on our own. And so in order for God to show up and do what he wants to do, he's got to let us go through a period of time where we can't see him and we can't figure it out and we don't know what's going to happen. Amen? And so if I can't get through that season where I can't see him, then what miracle can he do? What can he do in my life? If every time I, he doesn't do a miracle right away, I begin to gripe and complain and get upset and walk away from God. But if I can put my hope in the Lord... If I can say, you know, I don't know it right now, but this too shall pass. And the same God who did it then will do it again. And he's going to do it in a new way that's going to blow my mind. And, and I know he's going to do it because I can't do it. And I've left it up to him and said, Lord, you have to show him. When that's my mindset, then I am renewed in my strength and I receive power because every day I can see God where nobody else can. I can see him working. I can see him getting it ready. I can see it's already begun. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's, but I already know the baby's there. And it's just a matter of time. Amen? Y'all stand up with me and let's pray together. Holy Spirit. Somebody's in that place where you wouldn't have had me preach this today. And Lord, I want you to just write it on their hearts today that this too shall pass. This pain will pass. This confusion will pass. This depression will pass. And Heavenly Father, remind them that you're trying to set things up to do something brand new they've never seen. And I pray that their spirit would begin to jump and would begin to leap just like John the Baptist in the womb of his mother for what nobody else can see. Lord, give us a joy that no one else understands. Help us to see you where nobody else can. Lord, we know we have to leave it all to you, that you are the only one who can do it. We can't do it on our own. But you're the God who has already done it for us. Lord, whoever's here today, Lord, and they walked in, they couldn't see God. Lord, give them eyes to see you now. Teach them how to wait. Because we know what Anna and Simeon saw. They saw a victory before the victory showed up. And we need to be a people that can see the victories before they show up. We need to be a people of hope. A people that can praise God even when everything is bad. A people that can have peace in the middle of a storm. A people that can say, even when it looks like they're being defeated, that they see a victory because the same God who did it before will do it again. Lord, I pray this morning, help us see you where nobody else can. 
Help us see the victory that has not yet come. And give us faith that the same God who did it before will do it again. We give you praise and glory. And everybody said together, amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a praise offering, amen. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you for your time and listening today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends. Also, remember to follow us on social media. If you ever find yourself in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning at 1040 a.m. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.